Hi, yes, I'm uh, Morris Wheeler from the Little Big Partnership. Um, it's our Twitter handle, please tweet us. Um, I love coming to um, CMC, it's a fantastic um, it's a fantastic conference and there's so many uh, amazing things to choose from and that's kind of one of the things that's so great about it but it's also one of the things that uh, kind of can be so hard about it. There's so many different things going on right now that you could also be in. I don't want to encourage you to leave but I think you made the right choice to be here. But I think that's one of the really hard things um, is kind of that choice of, you know, should I be here, should I be somewhere else? Um, and a lot of the times we can uh, overanalyze and choice can be something that actually becomes very hard for us to do. Um, and there's this uh, study and there's this kind of movement at the moment which is about um, analysis paralysis. Um, and the concept behind analysis paralysis is you can just be overloaded with choice. There can just be too many things for you to choose from to the point where you just end up choosing nothing. Um, and we can see that in many different things. Um, but interestingly, an experiment was done um, a few years ago where uh, a professor from the, uh, from, from the Columbian Business School uh, did an experiment where she set up a table um, in like a Whole Foods store in America. And she set up a table and for an hour, she had 24 jams available to sample and to buy. And then after an hour, she then changed it and she had six jams to sample and to buy. And she'd rotated that every hour. She changed it from the 24 jams to the six jams, back to the 24 jams. And she looked at how many people were walking past, and then she worked out how many people were then stopping at the table and sampling, and how many were ultimately buying. So of those that stopped, 60% stopped at the stand with 24 different jams on, and only 40% stopped at the stand with only six jams on. However, when we looked at those that actually bought, only 1.8% bought, whereas 12% on the smaller stand. And so this has led to this concept of analysis paralysis, that if you've just got so many things, your initial reaction is, wow, this great abundance of choice. I've got all these things to choose from. But actually, when you're forced to then make that decision, things just kind of, I, I don't know, do I want strawberries? Do I want this without pips, with pips? Do I want a big one? Do I want so many things start going through your head that you end up just ignoring it. So this is this concept of analysis paralysis. Um, so this, this, as I say, this general perceived wisdom is um, that the abundance of choice is a really good thing. That one of the things that we should be doing is giving people lots of choices. You know, and this is a lot of things that uh, economists are saying, is that the more choice we give people, the more freedom we give people to choose, the better it is for them. But there is this feeling that the actual choosing process is the hard bit. I broke my phone about a month ago um, and it was that horrible moment when you kind of looked down and it was face down and I kind of thought, oh, I heard that crunch and you pick it up and you've got that spider's web crack and it just, your heart sinks and I knew, you know, I had to get a new phone and it was one of those things I had to get a new phone. I worked just around the corner on Chiswick High Road, I worked just around the corner from this a very big car phone warehouse. So I went into the car phone warehouse and there in front of me was, I think there was about 40 different phones. Now. I'm, I'm on Android, so if I was on Apple, it would be very easy because i just get the latest iPhone and job done. But because I'm on Android, there's much more choices. There's literally 40, 50 choices in this car phone warehouse. And I go in there and I just, I'm a mate. I'm just, I looked at this wall and I thought, you know, that the perfect phone is going to be here. You know, there are 40 different phones. I can't get this wrong. I can't pick the wrong phone. 
But then I kind of started doing the maths. Well, you know, if out of these 40 different phones, one of them is the perfect one, there's also 39 imperfect ones. The likelihood of me walking away at this very moment with the wrong phone is actually quite high. And I started regretting a choice that I hadn't even made yet. I realized that it, the opportunity, you know, I was kind of trying to weigh up, you know, do I want one with a big screen or do I want one with a small screen? Do I want one with a, with a long battery life or a short battery life? Do I want one with vanilla Android on it or do I want one that's kind of got a slightly pimped Android? And then, and then you start trying to compare them and you're trying to compare apples and pears. You're trying to say, well, what's better, you know, uh, the latest Android or a big screen? You just, it's so hard to compare. Um, I ended up actually picking a kind of one with a big screen, um, and I didn't even realise that one of the good things about a big screen is it can actually act as a fan, which is quite handy um, in the heat of uh, Sheffield. Um, so this kind of abundance of choice, I, I, I must have gone in about half a dozen times into this and literally stared at this wall and just realised that I was never, not going to make the right... Today wasn't the, the day to decide and I'd walk away. And it was really only when the, fall, the phone was actually falling apart in my hands I realised I've got to make that decision. I've got to actually go and purchase. So that analysis paralysis is a very real thing that a lot of people have experienced. And there's a doctor called Dr. Barry Schwartz who's done a, he did a great TED talk on it and he wrote a great book about it and it's called The Paradox of Choice. And he says the misery of choice comes from regret and anticipated regret. So looking at that wall of phones and you kind of go, oh, I'm going to pick the wrong one, I know I am. Or also that sense of opportunity cost. You know, I've, I've picked, the, I picked the big phone, but the, thing, the, the bad thing about the big phone is the battery runs out a bit quicker because it's got a bigger screen. So, you know, did I make the right decision? Should I have actually gone with the one that's a smaller screen? The escalation of expectations. As I say, I stared at this wall of 40 phones, 50 phones. The perfect one was there. I just had to find it. So instantly, whereas if I only had six phones to pick from, then maybe the perfect one wasn't there and I would have sacrificed and I would have kind of compromised. But I knew that the perfect one was there. And finally, I knew that if I didn't pick the right phone, I only had myself to blame. You know, there was no one else. You know, I'd read reviews. I'd kind of done the analysis. Everyone was recommending different phones. If I picked the wrong one, then it was all my fault. So this is this whole thing about analysis paralysis and choice. And a lot of our clients have a lot of content and they have this same problem. They've got a lot of content and they want to know, you know, what's the best way of getting our children to engage with us? We're doing a great project at the moment with RTE. They've got maybe 200 little, uh, individual video clips and they've said, you know, what's the best way to make this the most engaging experience possible? Will we create this analysis paralysis if we just give them too much to choose from? So we kind of embarked on this research and we started looking at some of the sites that kids love. And we you know, did a whole bunch of research initially where we said, you know, tell us your favorite sites. One of their favorite sites is Friv. I don't know if you've ever been on Friv or played on Friv. That's Friv. You know, that's not like a representation of Friv. That is Friv. It's 250 tiny thumbnails. Um, and that's all the website is. And, you and each one of those is a, is a game. And as you roll your mouse over, it explains what that game is. But that's, and they love that. They see that as a fantastic opportunity. <laughs> as we start looking at more things, this is the CBBC Go app. Again, it's just it, the sense of this constantly scrolling, constantly changing, this kind of massive pool of content that you can kind of jump into. The Nickelodeon app, the same thing. This big wall of content that you kind of scroll through. The Cartoon Network app, the same thing. There's loads of content. 
So kids are obviously excited by that abundance of choice. They love the fact that there's all this stuff. It's in many respects what they crave here is that table of 24 different jams. They get really excited by that. But do they have that analysis paralysis, that cognitive overload? And really, the analysis paralysis happens because, as adults, we've got this overformed prefrontal cortex, which is the bit of the brain which is responsible for rational thinking and decision-making. And that actually develops quite late in life. Latest research says that our prefrontal cortex isn't fully developed until we're like 21, 22. So actually, children don't have that ability that kind of frontal cortex to make those rational decisions the way they decide is not as rational so you'd have thought that with a smaller less developed frontal cortex that they would more likely have a, a higher chance of cognitive overload that actually the decision making would be more troublesome for them so we were looking into this research. We did, uh, we did some 12 uh, friendship triad focus groups. We went round to their houses and we kind of sat down and we talked with them. And a mixture of boys and girls um, from a whole variety of different ages. And the first thing that we did is we set up three computers and we said to them, you've got 10 minutes play on each computer. And we kind of split them up into, into um, individuals. And we said, well, you go on computer number one, you on computer number two, and you on computer number three. Play for 10 minutes. Um, at the end of the 10 minutes, we'll all kind of rotate round. We'll do that for half an hour, and then we'll come back. And after the half an hour of them playing on each of the individual machines, um, on computer number one, I should say, on computer number one was just Minion Rush. Um, so what we wanted to make sure is that they weren't being biased by the actual IP. So we made sure that we picked Minion's IP as being the game players across all of them. So on, on the computer number one was just Minion Rush, um, which I would say probably had some in the region of a million dollars invested it. Um, if not more, but um, somewhere in the region of that kind of quantity. So it was a, it was a great game. On computer number two, we had um, we created a website that just had these five games on it. Um, and we did some pre-research where we tried to find out which were the best five of the kind of Minions mini-games. So these are, are, are um, the best five of the Minions mini-games. And on computer number three, we had 45 games. So a broad selection, and they were very broad selection. Anything from kind of uh, noughts and crosses, matching pairs, kind of very, very simple games. So we gave them um, the 10 minutes, um, and then at the end of it, we said, right, come back. If you had to pick one, if you had to pick one computer that you would play another 10 minutes on, which one would it be? Um, overwhelmingly, they wanted to play on the one with the 45 games. It's well worth noting that you know, some of these games weren't particularly great games. Um, and the second place um, was the, the game with the, the, the just Minion Rush, and then last place was the five kind of mini-games. Um, it's also worth noting that even on the five mini-games, it's not like they played all five in those ten minutes and they went, well, there's no point going back to that because I've not played them all. Often they'd only play two or maybe three. They never actually got through to playing all five in that ten minutes. So it's not like they felt that they'd exhausted that opportunity. We then asked them, which would you recommend to a friend? Um, and even more would recommend the 45-game um, computer. So they really like that abundance of choice. Why are we playing on computer number three more? Because there's so many more games. And it's more fun than Minion Rush and the games on that one. Yeah. And how can we make these two better? If you added more games and added more games. Yes. <laughs> so you get to give your friend, so you get to give your friend a special voucher which enables them to play on any of these three computers. Which is about which do you give them? I would. Okay, ready? You, you, you. I'm counting to three again. One, two, three. Yeah. 
Computer number three, computer number three, computer number three. One, two, three. So we've got three, three, and three. <laughs> Why three? Because it's got so many games and it's got one of my favourite games, isn't it? Yes. Um, um, I like three because there's um, there are lots of different types of games to play. So if you don't like one, you can you can always choose another. One, two, three. Charles. We have number three, number two, and number three. Lovely. So Laura, why number three? Because it has lots of different games to choose. So they loved the choice, they loved that sense of kind of exploring and I think that's one thing that we found quite quickly is that um, they were never, they, they never looked at any of those screens and they were never overwhelmed. They didn't look at that 45 games and they didn't kind of go, oh man, you know, what am I going to, they just, their eyes lit up kind of straight away and also, you know, you'd move them from Minion Rush, you know, just the one game on and straight away they were like, wow, so much to do, so much to choose from. And in many respects, it seemed that the actual process of choice and actually them having that freedom of choice is one of the things that was most exciting. And it wasn't necessarily the content that they were going to be playing. It wasn't necessarily the result of their choice. It was more that they all of a sudden had a freedom. They had, to a large degree, a sense of autonomy that was very, very exciting to them. Most of the kids that were playing the one game, the kind of just minion rush on its own, they would often look after a couple, up after a couple of minutes and go, is there anything else to play? You know, nothing, not that they didn't necessarily like it, it's just that they wanted to choose, they wanted to explore. You know, it's the autonomy, stupid. You know, it's, if you look at any research that looks into motivation, if you look into any research that looks into happiness, the actual the ability to choose and the ability to kind of make your own decisions is really important. And that's hugely important to children. They're at a stage in life where they don't necessarily get to make many of their own choices. You know, as parents, we, we, you know, we often limit their choices. We're too busy. You know, we don't, the last thing you want to do, you know, and I do it every morning. I come downstairs and I go, you know, what do you want for breakfast, boys? You know, and, and, and they take forever. But, and so I would often go, okay, well, this is your, you've got two options. You've got, you know, either Shreddies or you've got Cheerios. You know, you can only pick two. And you instantly, as a parent, you limit their choices. And you think that you're doing them a favour because they're struggling and they're worrying about the different choices. But they're not at all. They're just taking their time to choose. And actually, as a parent, what you're doing is you're imparting onto them. You're going, well, obviously, you know, I need, you need to hurry up here. You need to make a decision. So I'm going to limit that choice. So actually, children don't often get that opportunity to kind of see all this choice and actually kind of dive in and, and, and choose it. So actually, that sense of autonomy that you can give them is really important. So where you have the choice to kind of say, look, just get stuck in, just play, is really, really important. You know, just showing them a whole screen of different games. And also, we, we started looking a bit more into, well, should we be editorialising? Because that's the other thing that we look at, you know, if, I've, if, I'm a, if I'm a content owner, then there's some things that, you know, that I think, well, this is my best content and this isn't my best content. This is a particular bit of content I want to be pushing at the moment. So should I actually kind of say, well, here are our three hero bits of content and, and the rest is okay. You can kind of look at that another time, you know, and hope they'll come back. And then when they come back, you can kind of present them with three more bits. You know, the idea being that if you give them three, they're more likely to choose. But that's just not the case. And also we see with kids that actually recommendations from somebody else, um, even recommendations when you say this is specifically aimed at you, just didn't mean anything. 
Um, it, is, it is well worth noting that obviously that changed as we go, get older. So some of the older kids were beginning to actually have a slightly cleverer you know, way of picking stuff. And so they actually liked things being narrowed down. Whereas most, you know, the younger children just really liked just getting involved and kind of playing. So <laughs> let's say you arrived at the homepage. Yeah. Do you ever open these games in the section, the popular, the hot games, the trending games? I, 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 I don't. I, I just find my yeah, own. Yeah, I find I, my own I, games I, I, look, I scroll down and see any games I want to play and see how good they are. What, you don't know what they think. You, because you have your own opinion. You might have your own opinion. So, so would you play this game? No, no, no. no. It's the most popular for boys at seven to nine. I don't want. I still want. Like quite a long way. I still want. So your first choice would still be what you chose. Yeah. yeah. But that one's the most popular. But, um, but so is cut the rope. Cut the rope is pretty popular, and um, still Bob. That's other people's opinion. You don't care about other people's opinion. <laughs> no, I don't care. I will go to a dress and I don't care what other people think. Um, just because I don't really think about other people's opinions, I just kind of think about what I want to play because there's lots of different people with lots of different tastes and I just kind of, you know, sometimes it just doesn't really occur to me what other people think. I just like to choose what I want to. So, Hanya, why don't you want to play because the most popular game? boring and it isn't my recommendation and it looks really boring again. But all the other girls like it. But I'm not a girly girl. Are you interested in other... It's just not my style. Other people's recommendations of games. Oh, you can see You know what I would recommend? My own recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> Pause on her for a bit, she was great. Um, so they didn't really, you know, even when you start editorialising your content, you know, and, and content owners are often, they often have this sense of, you know, I must kind of bubble the stuff that I want to bubble up to the surface and kind of make these recommendations because that's what kids want. Um, doesn't seem to be the case from the research that we've seen. And we work with a lot of clients and we work with a lot of clients that have a lot of content um, and they often have this struggle of what do I do with this content, how can I make it as engaging as possible and, and we work with them to try and create these big nice engaging experiences that really kind of deliver um, and I guess what we say to them is, is, um, is children love the abundance of choice but they, they aren't worried about the the process of choosing. So don't try and make that simple for them. Don't try and take away their ability to choose from a very wide range just because you think um, that they, they are struggling with that. Because from what we've seen, they're not struggling with that. And also don't push necessarily push. I know it's really hard, particularly as a content owner, you've got an agenda. You need to be pushing certain bits of content at certain times. But but try as much as you can to with, withhold from that urge and actually you know let them, give them everything. The more that they see, the more that they have that sense of exploration, the more that they want to choose stuff, the more that they will ultimately choose stuff, the more they'll engage, the more they'll recommend it to friends. As we saw before, you give them everything, they're much more likely to want to come back, they're much more likely to recommend it to a friend. And also I think as adults, you know, we spend so much of our life, because we have this developed strategic thinking, that that we kind of pass that feeling on to children. We think that, you know, as economists call us, that we are kind of resource maximizers, that 
as adults, we spend so much of our life trying to make sure that we make exactly the right decision. We, we spend so much of our life making sure that we don't waste any resources, that every second spent is a second that's a valuable second, or every pound that we spend is the right pound spent. And we get really caught up in that process of making sure that we are being as, as optimal and as efficient as possible. And children just do not react like that. They don't have that same resource management issue. They just approach things in a completely different way, which is, I guess, in many respects, it's hugely liberating that, that their decision-making process is just far more instinctive. They'll look at a screen of stuff and they'll go, that one. And that's just where they start and they'll get stuck in. And if they enjoy it, then they enjoy it. If they don't, they'll come back, they'll look at that page of 45 and they'll just pick something else. And that's really the way that they do. So enable children to choose, enable them to explore. They really want that freedom of choice and that sense of autonomy. And the more that we can do that, I think it will be better for everybody. So thank you very much. Are there any questions? Um, Carol Hart Fletcher from Kids OK Online. Hi. Uh, presumably, though, a lot of the recommendations are um, viewed more by parents and more um, more needed by parents than it is by kids. And it's parents that need the guidelines. As far I mean, things like app choices, then potentially where parents are part of the gatekeeping process yep. or where parents are required to make that choice, um, then yes, because as parents we like to have things recommended to us and we like to remove some of that decision-making process and it's yep. much easier when it is editorialised. Um, but in the situations that I always explain, like things like Friv or CBBC are, are yeah. good examples of where it's a children's a children guided and a mania children run activity then uh, there's no need for those recommendations mm -hmm. and in many respects uh, the parents aren't really in you know particularly with things like the apps with the CBBC app with the NIC app with the Cartoon Network app parents aren't in that interaction at all um, it's just exclusively the child and the content yeah, that but, but those are trusted brands aren't they so so the parents are going to not even look at everything that's on there because CBBs is uh, accepted and and trusted. Yes, to a large degree, absolutely. Yeah. But then I guess in some respects, Friv might be a, a brand that's not well known to some parents. Yeah, but it's yeah. Um, yeah I, it, Yes. What I'm not saying is not like YouTube. It's not saying, you know, give children access to everything. Yeah. You know, I'm definitely not saying that. I'm saying we need guidelines. You don't need to give them yeah. access to everything. Yeah. But I'm yeah. saying where you have appropriate content, which is right for children, um, and that you believe will be something that parents buy into as well, yeah. then give them access to everything. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. No question uh, regarding retention. Uh, children seem to choose always the same things. We, yes, well, strangely, I mean, so when you look at something like um, Friv, there's 250 games. They've probably only played about 15. And it's, it's a real psychological thing with the abundance of choice. It's definitely something that's hitting them on a very instinctive and irrational level because, you know, with Friv as an example, is, you know, when we pulled up Friv just to show the kids straight away, they all had their favourite game. Um, and they were, oh, it's the purple dinosaur, it's this one down here. And they kind of went straight there. Um, and actually, on deeper exploration, they hadn't played the vast majority of the other games. And interestingly, when we actually said, well, did you, because we know that the Purple Dragon game is actually available on the websites. When we asked them, would you play it on another website? They're like, no, I'd come back to Friv. I think that sense of, that sense of freedom, that sense of there is all these games that are available. If I want to stroll, if for some reason the Purple Dinosaur game doesn't excite me that much, then I can, you know, play all of these other games. 
but yeah, typically and interestingly, it, they don't actually explore all the content, but they like the option of being able to, so they choose. Um, sorry, Amanda Gummer from Fundamentally Children. Um, our research shows that um, when we're looking at preschool children, young, the, the younger children um, don't cope very well. Parents here who've got toddlers getting out the door going, what do you want to wear today? The kids don't have a choice. If you go, do you want the red top or the blue top? And you give them confined choices. Young kids, all my experience says that young kids need very limited choices in order to be able to to benefit from the confidence that, that making choices and making decisions gives them. So kind of as I mentioned before, we found that young children, um, if you give them all of these choices, if you gave them the 45 choices, um, they might take a long time to pick, but that wasn't frustrating for them. The only person it was frustrating for was probably the parent going, just pick. You know, and I think that's probably the same way with things like the breakfast cereal in the morning or the things to close to wear, is that when you give them all this choice, they're not necessarily frustrated with the inability to choose. They're just taking their time, which as busy parents, we don't have the time for. So the strategy of reducing choice options is probably something that's driven more by the desire of the parent to get a decision made rather than the desire of the child to, to remove the options which is causing them an, a sense of anxiety. So we didn't, we didn't see that. We didn't go young. We, went kind of, we started, started at six, but, and our research kind of did show that the, the younger you were, you know, option prices just wasn't there at, at all. And as you got to the 11, 12, when they did start to have slightly more strategic thinking, when they started to potentially overthink the problem, then it did kick in. But we did see a kind of clear line from young to old of no paralysis to paralysis beginning to kick in a little bit as you got older. Hi, Morris. It's James at CBBC. Um, I'm interested in um, that uh, t where, they, where they were saying they didn't want to listen to others' opinions because they had their own. How are they finding Friv in the first place? Uh, I don't want to make it all about Friv, but it, I, I want to find out a bit more about content discovery. And at that age, at that sort of six, seven, eight, nine age, if they're not interested, as they say, in others' opinions, how do they discover these platforms? Um, I think the playgrounds. Um, so I think they are, they, they kind of say that they're not, but I think they are if it's their friend. So I think if their friend in the playground says, check out Friv, then they'll check out Friv. And a lot of the kind of, you know, the awareness of things like Friv or CBBSAP or whatever it may be came from, you know, one child saying to the other, going around their house and kind of that almost that literal pass on effect. Um, so in that scenario, there was a sense of, I want to know what my friends think, but, but you ha they have to be my friends. So I want to know what... James thinks, rather than I want to know what a similar age boy um, thinks, you know, or it's not necessarily, and, and, and interestingly, even things like this is the most popular, or this has got the most thumbs up, or the most stars, it, it seemed to mean nothing to them, you know, even to the point where, you know, we would show, and also it seemed to be, so we showed them a few sites where they had big hero content, and I know big hero content does get a lot of clicks, so, you know, I don't necessarily think that's always the case, but they wouldn't necessarily look at the big hero content and they would, they like to kind of look at everything and then ah, kind of, you know, just jump in. So the recommendation, uh, I think the playground recommendation still very, very valid, friend to friend validation, you know, and even in the, even in the sessions that we were ran, they were, you know, each of them kind of go, well, this is my favourite game or this is my favourite game, kind of uh, person to person. Um, but it, it seemed to be that outside of close friends, it was, the, the recommendation was a meaningless one. Hello, Nikki Stillman from Yumi. I just wondered if you compared Friv with another website that had 500 choices, would they choose that one, or is there an optimum amount of choices? Is there a limit? 
Um, well, I mean, some of the websites just go on forever. So actually, one of the ones, I don't know if you've seen, it's called Friv Today. Um, and I don't know if it's affiliated with Friv. It's Friv.today. And it's basically Friv that literally goes on forever. And that was something that I think is quite new and actually a lot of kids were talking about. So I get the sense that there is no upper limit. Um, that you, you know, if someone... You know, it's almost like the six-minute abs and someone coming out with five-minute abs. You know, I almost imagine if someone made Friv 260, that the kids would go, you've got to check out Friv 260, it's amazing. You know, so I think that, it, I think it could go on forever. I think it's important about your, what your computer can handle than anything else. That's great. Thank you very much, Mark.